Have you ever wondered how someone could ever be drawn into a cult? Maybe you've thought, that could never happen to me. Or maybe you're afraid you wouldn't recognize the kind of toxic leadership that pervades cults. If you found yourself thinking one of these things, or maybe something similar when it comes to cults, you want to stick around as we talk with Peter Young, a cult survivor and the author of Stop the Tall Man, Save the Tiger. Welcome to Leaders Moment, brought to you by Vision Voice and FX Missions Podcasting. We encourage you to take this moment and use it to sharpen the saw of your leadership perspective and performance. We're bringing you interviews, stories, and more from leaders much like yourself who are taking action, learning, realizing potential, and getting results. Welcome, and thanks for joining us. I'll admit that this month's topic is somewhat heavy, but it's important because we know that Jesus said in Matthew 24, that false prophets would come and they would lead people astray. And we don't want that for you or for me or for anyone, even though we know it's going to happen. I want to mention at the outset that you'll find a link to Peter's book in the episode notes so that you can try to get the picture of what happened with some detail. It's also worth noting that one of the ways to avoid being led astray is to get closer to God, and getting closer to God is the subtitle of my uh, most recent publication. Those uh, links are also in the episode notes. Getting closer to God and loving the truth are key when it comes to being, I guess, durable in the face of deception. There's a scripture that comes to mind. You were deceived because you didn't have a love of the truth that would that would save you or that would put you out of reach of deception. So we need to love the truth, and the truth has a name, Jesus. Let's get closer to him. As you listen, ask yourself during this episode, if you've seen any of these traits in your life or you've found yourself avoiding the kinds of tough conversations that Peter mentions. Hi, it's Scott with your FX Missions Leaders Moment podcast. Thanks for being here. Pretty excited today to be joined by Peter Young. Peter, welcome. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Hey, man. I, I'm just, as when we talked before, I got to I gotta throw out a shout out to those deer heads in the room. I mean, you're in the wilderness. It looks like this is a wilderness room that <laughs> I'm looking in here. Am, am I seeing it right? I live just outside of Bozeman, Montana, and uh, yep, I like to go deer hunting, so I got a lot of whitetail in the area, and I do enjoy the hunting. Yep, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, you know, think about me when you're, uh, I was raised on backstrap, I'll just say that, and yes. (laughs) Love it. Yeah, absolutely. You kind of look like a mountain man, too, that nice beard and of course the folks listening are just getting the audio but i want to paint the picture you know you it looks very rustic there and i just i'm loving that thanks for being here you bet quintessential montana yeah bozeman wow yeah i've not been there so downrange i hope to do it how far are you from jackson i guess at jackson wyoming right yeah, Jess. So yeah, Jackson Hole where the Tetons are. You know, from where I live, you kind of go through Yellowstone National Park. So it's a beautiful drive, but it would take a long time. Jackson would be about five hours. 
Absolutely beautiful country. Yeah. And Texas, that's not a very far drive. That's a trip to the pharmacy. <laughs> yeah. We, it's very doable. Five hours. So, yeah, I would love to make that drive. I haven't been up there much, but thank you so much for being here. And this is a leaders podcast. We're going to dig in a little bit to some concepts on leadership, some of your experiences. I know we learn mostly, or I, I think at least I do, learn mostly from failure versus success when it comes to learning capacity in terms of my leadership. I, I think the things that have been unforgettably implanted on my experience are the things I had go wrong. And I think we're going to dig in a little bit to some of the stuff that's, you know, maybe uh, hasn't been awesome in your past, not to be negative, but thank you for your transparency and being willing to talk about that. You bet. Uh, that is kind of the, the gist of the book that I just recently wrote and released. It is an intense read, but yeah. it is a cautionary tale because mm. there was a lot of failure along the way. In the end, yeah. the Lord did rescue me. So there is kind of a, a redemption story at the end. Yeah. Boy, it took a while to get there. <laughs> yes, sir. I I guess as we go down the road, right, as we get further down the road that we're ultimately going to have to leave, seems like we get more invested, you know, in the path that we're on, even if it's not the right one. So the longer we stay on that path, the bigger the adjustment or the higher the cost of transition. Does that sound right? It does. You know, we can get set in our ways. I'll give you a quick anecdotal story from my life. I used to be a sports broadcaster and okay. I was going to be the next Bob Costas of sports broadcasting. <laughs> and then one day the president of OLN, the Outdoor Life Network, decided he didn't like the sound of my voice. So I had to switch careers and it was like the Lord threw me a curveball and I was not good at hitting curveballs. And so <laughs> I had to adjust uh, my, you know, where I was headed in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Hey, the, the Lord takes care of us even in the midst of all that surprise. So I'm, I yep. can give testimony to that. I think the book you wrote, we talked a little bit in before the recording here and in another session about what it's like and how important it is in your leadership in the family, in the home, or, or in whatever context to be proactive and to keep making sure you're on the path you should be on. It sounds like from what we talked about, you got off the path that you maybe should have been on and with your family. What's the title of that book where folks can find the whole story? We're going to backlink later, but I think maybe we should just kind of turn into your story a little bit here and understand what the absence of proactivity cost you. The book is called Stop the Tall Man, Save the Tiger. And in a nutshell, it discusses, it's a memoir, my roughly 20 years inside a tiny religious cult, very destructive destroyed my marriage, broke up my family, and you know made me doubt my faith and everything that I held mm. dear in my life. Mm. It was led by this little cult guru named Uncle Robert, who wasn't related to any of us. And when you talk about leadership, Scott, I mean, you know, in the end, what really was in store for me was, and this is a feature of cults, where if you have, let's say, multiple generations, grandparents, parents, and kids, they mm -hmm. all become children of the cult leader, so to speak, right? So now you're wow. all on one level. Cult leader kind of blurs the lines of family. And the goal was for Uncle Robert, you know, to take over 
as kind of the the leader of you know my wife and my kids, and I would just be out of the picture. Wow, which is horrible. Wow, yeah, that is. I, I think the family is so central to God's plan and the order that He established in family. You know, it should be like a super red flag to us that hey, someone's trying to either cause you to devalue the family structure or pitch it all together or whatever the case is. I think that's also an ongoing feature of cults is that they they try to destroy the family unit in the way that it was meant to be. As you're saying there, is there more there? I mean, it, what type of decisions was Uncle Robert trying to make? Maybe he was trying to make them all. I, I don't know. Well, he really was trying to make them all. You know, I could give you, you know, anecdotal story after story. That's why I would love for the folks to read the book. But, you know, probably the most important one, in addition to, you know, blurring the lines of the nuclear family so -hmm. that everybody would revere and honor Uncle Robert, he was also kind of the gatekeeper to God. So he would read the Bible to us. We were Christians. But, you know, five, 10, 15 years down the road, it kind of became clear that you weren't really a Christian until he said you were, which of course is completely unbiblical. Mm. So, you know, he took over every aspect of our lives. Quick story. When I first met my future father-in-law, I fell in love with Paige, knew I wanted to marry her, had to meet her father and this Uncle Robert because she talked about him all the time. I go meet the father for the first time. We've been dating about a month. I go down the hall to use the bathroom. I'm a guy, so I stand to pee. I finished flush, washed my hands, and when they opened the door, he's standing right there, and he'd been listening. And he said, in our household, the men sit to pee because it prevents splashing and it keeps the toilet clean. And then he said, something I heard dozens of times over the next 20 years, Uncle Robert taught us that. So here's this grown man in his 50s who has Uncle Robert guiding him on how to urinate. And, and, oh. and Scott, like it wow. went on from there. Like he literally controlled almost every aspect of our lives. Man, anybody who's in charge of toilet etiquette at the oh. individual level, we could see that there's a control, <laughs> there's a control scenario playing out. You know, I think for most of us, we think about, hey, you know, I, I, if I was getting involved in a cult or if there was some kind of superimposed power, somebody's trying to get me under their power, we would notice that. I'd notice that right away. I'd never fall for that. It's not that simple. I don't think. What What can you tell us? It's not that simple, Scott. You're right. And people will say, you know, just like you did, oh, you know, I would never fall for that. Fine. That's okay. If you want to think that, I know it could happen to anybody. For mm. me, I went along to get along. I love my wife. I wanted to have a wonderful family, be the husband that I'd always dreamed of being. Mm-hmm. I adored this woman, but this Uncle Robert was always part of our marriage, always part of our lives. He had been mm-hmm. a part of Paige's life you know, before she was even born. So he was yeah. always this authority. And I tell people, you never know you are in a cult. You only know you were in a cult. So cults mm-hmm. can look and sound different. They come in all shapes and sizes, big and small, et cetera, et cetera. But they are, first and foremost, undo mind control. They start and end in the mind. So therefore, if you know you're in a cult, right, follow the logic, you're really not because you're now aware to it. You're on to the cult leader. Oh, I'm in a cult. The moment you say that, well, you you realize it's wrong because no one joins a cult. They just find themselves one day in one. Yeah. That's what happened to me. Wow. So many things race to my mind. I, I don't think I've ever 
been in a couple, maybe I'm in one now. No, <laughs> I don't, I think, but I've definitely been around when things started to get cult-ish. You know what I'm saying? Like you see the overreach of power, right? You've got someone who's in authority. They have responsibility and there's a right way to take spiritual responsibility for people that you're working with and you're working for and you're working uh, on behalf of. I'm talking about spiritually. There's a right way to take an authoritative position. But I think the essence of cults or the essence of this idea is the overreach. I think some of times those overreaches can be fairly subtle. You know, it's like, ah, yeah, I, I think I remember I had a leader. He said, uh, fired a call off to me. He said, hey, I want you to pray about something. I said, okay, I'll pray about it. What do you want me to pray about? Hey, pray about, I'm taking this trip and maybe the Lord's going to, you know, let you come with me and it'd be great if we could spend the time together. I said, okay, I'll pray about it. Okay. The given time came, I called him back and said, you know, I prayed about it. I don't feel like that's something I should do. And then like some days later, I fielded a phone call and the guy said this, he said this word for word, honestly, the best of my memory is a long time ago. When I ask you to pray about something and I offer you to, you know, be a part of this trip I'm doing, I mean that it's God's will for you to come. And I was like, really? I <laughs> uh, thought you were asking me to pray about it. Does something like, does that resonate with some of your experience? Absolutely. You know, cult leaders don't offer suggestions. <laughs> cult leaders are not seeking debate, discussion, or dialogue. Cult mm. leaders are seeking blind obedience. Yeah. And so there's also, Scott, a difference between cults and a very strong culture. I think at times the word cult is bantied about a bit too much. Yeah. And there can be a very toxic and strong culture, but they're two different things. Okay. And so- you know, if you Google or anybody listening Google's cults, small cults, family cults, you'll find all kinds of articles, a million hits on Google, but there are some features that are rather ubiquitous. There is a leader. Okay. He or she mm -hmm. is narcissistic, grandiose sense of self, makes all the rules, but they don't apply to him, is, you know, again, charismatic, and oftentimes is a gatekeeper to God. But you mentioned subtle, Scott. You know, this Uncle Robert would read from the Bible, right? So- the analogy I give is if you miss hit a golf ball by like quarter inch, okay, mm -hmm. hundred yards down the fairway, it's way off to the left or way off to the right. Mm -hmm. Well, Uncle Robert would read from the Bible, but he would put his own little perverse and unique twist to every single verse that five, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, we were way away from the gospel, mm. but it took years to get there. Mm. Wow. That trajectory, right? And introducing just a little bit of what would you call it? I don't know. Interpretation on the scripture, the, you know, that little bit of private interpretation or whatever it is, it can get you in the weeds, like you're saying. And another way to put it too, is again, people say, well, I would never fall for a cult. Well, listen, cult leaders don't just start spouting nonsense and lies. And the way the Bible says it is that the wolf doesn't get close to the sheepfold. The wolf in sheep's clothing does. Mm. And so there yeah. were many things that Uncle Robert shared early on that I thought, oh, that's brilliant. I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. But 
boy, then once she gets your trust, you know, it just starts going down the wrong road. Yeah. Yeah. I think we got to keep in mind as we're talking about misleaders, I guess that's what we're talking about here to a large degree, you know, misleaders, you know, often that person, just like you don't know if you're in a cult while you're in it. I think a lot of times these types of situations, the people in them, they see that they're doing the thing that they should be doing, right? The guy who's trying to maintain or trying to create undue authority in another person's life, they see that a lot of times, I think, as just or what they should be doing. These are my people, and I'm trying to make sure they're following God and in, in that we're all walking together, we're pleasing God and everybody's saying the same thing and all these kinds. It's deceptive, not only for the person who's under the influence, but the person in influence. Can you speak to that? What do you think based on your experience? Was it well-meaning or do you think this was a sinister thing in the case of the situation you were in? Wow. That is the million dollar question. (laughs) And I would say, Okay, let me answer it this way. You know, for many years, I clearly knew that this Uncle Robert was a key figure in my wife's life and in my in-laws' lives. But mm-hmm. there were times where I just thought the guy was nuts and didn't want anything to do with him. And then yeah. over the years, slowly but surely, I kind of got beaten down and eroded till, mm-hmm. you know, 17, 18 years into my marriage, I finally, you know, was brainwashed and I was all in for about two, two and a half years. I was all mm-hmm. in. And I was all for Uncle Robert, the secrecy, the paranoia, every single one of his crazy beliefs. Yeah. And then when I finally got out, when my wife left me, took the kids, started calling me the devil and all these awful things. And, you know, Uncle Robert also approved all this and was really the one driving all of it. Hmm. It took the Lord to open my eyes and ears through f- my faith, family, and friends that I finally saw it uh, for what it was, which was wicked. So, I mean, there's, yeah. there's finally your answer. There's no yeah. question it was evil and wicked. Yeah. Now, yeah. the question I can't answer is, does he know it? Yeah. I have no idea. Good question. You know, why? Why do? Why have I done this? I, that's a different story, I think. But, you know, I studied Jim Jones. There's a very powerful book out called Raven, and it's on the Jim Jones story. You may or may not have heard it, but it's written by a guy who basically reported on the People's Temple while they were in San Francisco, when the congressman traveled from California to uh, the People's Temple in French Guiana or whatever, whatever it was called, this guy was on the plane. So this guy who wrote the book Raven was on the plane with wow. the congressman's group, with his envoy, and he was shot by the cult members on the tarmac but survived. Incredible reporter, this guy. Can't remember his name off the top. But he unpacks this entire story from basically inception of the cult leader, you know, how he got started, all the way out to how it ended, which is very well known. But it seemed to me in reading that book that in the early stages of Jim Jones' trajectory, You know, he wasn't the guy he ended up being, right? There were seeds inside of him. And I think there are seeds in all leaders that want to vie for control or that want to 
have influence or be powerful and those kinds of things. We got to be careful for that. But uh, I think the trajectory over time, you know, Jesus said, you know, every tree, what kind of tree it is by the fruit it produces. We can see what kind of tree the cults are by the fruit they produce. But it's hard to tell that when you're just a little, you're hanging out there on the end of a limb. (laughs) Right. It's hard to sometimes notice that. My thought is that we all have weaknesses that could be leveraged against us for control that doesn't belong to us. I don't think maybe there's necessarily people destined to be cult leaders, but if we cooperate with that thing that's inside of us wanting control, eh, I think we're all at risk at, at a minimum. We're at risk. Do you think that's right? Based on your observations, what's your scan on what I'm saying? Well, two things I would say. First of all, I'll repeat what I said, that there's no question we are all at risk for falling prey to Mm -hmm. a false prophet, false teacher, whatever you want to call the cult leader. And to me, one of the three main lessons of my story is that when a believer isolates himself from the rest of the body of Christ, you are there in danger of falling prey. Mm -hmm. And that's how cults maintain control through secrecy and paranoia, and you're Mm -hmm. no longer connected to the rest of the body of Christ. To the other part of what you were saying mm-hmm. is really, you know, well, did Uncle Robert evolve just like Jim Jones evolve, right? Do these mm-hmm. people evolve yeah. and grow more wicked or sinister or more controlling, whatever you want to call it? To which I don't know because Uncle Robert, again, not related to any of us, he's, you know, late 70s, about five foot six. Now I'm six five, and all of my family and Paige's family, you know, typical Northern European looks, tall people, but he glommed on to my former father in law at a small seminary in Fresno, California, like in the late 60s, early 70s. I think it was mm-hmm. Mennonite Brethren. Yeah. And then like a parasite kind of attached to the family and dominated it. Again, would have already been in a position of authority before Paige was even born. So there was yes. all of this history when I met Paige, you know, 30 yeah. years of it that yeah. I didn't see. Right. So you weren't there for the lead up like that. And we don't get that in every story. Right. We don't get the the, like cover to cover experience, especially when we're in it. You know, Uh, that's why I think God's got to give us grace and give us awareness. I mean, the bad thing about deception is that you're deceived. Right. I mean, you're just like it's a state of being certain. But you're, you know, you're totally wrong about the things you're certain about. How did God begin to speak to you and break into the situation with light? How did you go, this is a cult. I'm all the way in. I bought in. Ah." How did that happen? I mean, it doesn't sound like it might have been very pleasant. But, oh, it was uh, excruciating, unbelievably painful. So she would have left me. It's been about six years in January. And mm. I was so brainwashed and so thoroughly convinced that Paige and Uncle Robert were right, that I took all the blame for the marriage falling apart. And I didn't tell anybody for four months because mm. they told me not to, right? They operate yeah. on secrecy and paranoia. So I didn't tell my family for four months. I lost 30 pounds. I couldn't sleep. It wasn't suicidal, but I was a wreck. I mm. finally started to then call my parents, call my brothers. I've got four yeah. older brothers and their families told my friends in Montana, you know, nobody in the entire state knew what was going on for months. Then they started to immediately shower me with love and support. Mm. And there were a couple moments, not just one, Scott, where I really started to see this, well, wait a minute, that is wrong. And that was a huge moment for me to be able to say with something Paige or Uncle Robert said, that's wrong. Because for years, they were infallible. Let me tell you a quick anecdote. 
many years into our marriage, Paige wanted to be a surrogate and provide Uncle Robert with a grandson, a male heir. Uncle Robert had two sons, were married, had daughters, but no sons. Hmm. Paige thought Uncle Robert's bloodline was so important that she wanted to offer the choice to be a surrogate to provide him with a grandson, which I didn't want anything to do with it. And thank God yeah. it never happened. Right. After she left and she started to alienate the kids from me, call me the devil, a bloodline and a sperm donor, Uncle Robert said, you know, you are not the father. You're only a dad. You need to earn the right to be father and don't trap the kids. We have five kids in this biological prison. In other words, I'm just the sperm donor and I'm not really a dad. When I read <laughs> that email, I knew yeah. that was wrong. Yes. And that started the process. That was one of the wake-up calls. I, I think the fact that you were also reconnecting with people who loved you. Yeah. You know what I mean? But probably were willing to say, hey, listen, you're, uh, <laughs> yeah, come to yourself here, big guy. You're, so, uh, yeah. They did, but it took a while. So when I called all of them, again, I was so brainwashed. I look back now, it's mm -hmm. embarrassing, but it is what it is. Yeah. I tell them, listen, please don't say anything negative about Paige or Uncle Robert. Just support me. And yeah. they all agreed. I'm wow. sure it was really hard. But about a month <laughs> in, one of my brothers like, Peter, I'm sorry, but what they're doing is egregious. And yeah. I was stunned that he would feel that way. But, mm. you know, that shows you how bad off I was. Yeah. Well, thank God for his liberation and his light mm -hmm. that he leads us out. The Lord is our shepherd. You know, he, he leads us out of these places we find ourselves in. I want to take just a few minutes here as we're wrapping up and have you kind of reflect with us on the cost of, you know, like inactivity or the absence of proactivity. I know you feel like now, and I'm not trying to find some wound to get salt in or something like that. <laughs> Thank God your his healing process is at work in you and has been for some time. But do you think that there was a, you know, maybe a different outcome would have been possible if you had been more proactive instead of taking the approach where you went along to get along? What can we learn from you based on that experience? Well, first of all, there's no question I should have done things differently. I've played the one if game. Mm. And hindsight's not always 2020. It can be. So mm -hmm. I've thought back if I had done this thing differently in 96 or 97 or 2001 or 2010. Mm -hmm. Yeah, would we have had a different outcome? Maybe. Yeah. I also realized that as long as we had Uncle Robert in our marriage, in Paige's life, our marriage was doomed to fail. And I know yeah. that now. Yeah. There's nothing I could have done as long as he stayed in our lives. However, right. should I have stood up for our marriage as the father, as the husband, and not been afraid of the consequences, no matter what they could be. Yeah. Not give in to the fear and said, wait a minute, this has got to stop. Yeah. Yeah, I should have done that. Now, my marriage might have ended then. I don't know. Yeah. 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 But I, I told you this quote, and I'll, I'll share with everybody. I, I love this quote. It's easy choices, hard life. Hard choices, easy life. In other words, if we just opt for the easy choices and don't have those difficult conversations that we know we should have, yeah. If we avoid those difficult conversations, then life will be hard. But if we make those hard choices, life will be easier. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, we all wish we could have gone back and done something differently, and that's not something that we get the option to do. But I think proactivity in, in a 
in leadership in your home, you know, a lot of folks say the man's the leader of the home. And, and I, I kind of disagree with that. Man is a leader in the home and he definitely has his role and contribution. But the woman also is a leader in the home and she's got her role and contribution. And I think that's kind of to your point. You could have taken a proactive step and said, listen, this is it. But you couldn't stop the consequence that was going to be potentially introduced by the other leader in the home, which, you know, was your wife. So, yeah. And the point to make there, too, on what you just said, which is brilliant, is that, you know, sometimes what we know the Lord wants us to do is not going to be easy. Mm. We're not guaranteed that if we are obedient, we are going to have an easy life. We're not guaranteed that. We're called to be obedient, first and foremost. Yes, agreed. Totally agreed. And I think that's what resonates here in me is that even with the difficulty that we're potentially, we, we will all face some difficulty. There's no question about that, even in obedience. But in obedience, God gives us the grace to endure and often overcome the difficulty that we're facing. So I think we can't go wrong by staying close to the Lord and doing things that will cultivate our relationship with him and receiving his grace and leadership so that we can live a life of obedience and bring him glory. I thank God for the turnaround he's brought you through. Peter, thank you so much for being here. Give us one final rundown here. Anything else you want to say? And then we're going to backlink the book uh, information, both your first book, The Blue Team, I think is what it was. Mm -hmm. And also this book, which is... An interesting title that I, it's got something to do with a tiger and a tall man. Stop the tall man, save the tiger. And it it all (laughs) goes back to this prophetic dream that I am convinced the Lord gave Paige before we even met. And unfortunately, it was not followed. And the meaning of it was obscured by Uncle Robert, which led to disastrous results. Wow. It was a threat. And we know how misleaders feel about threats. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Yeah, we do. Yeah, thank you so much, Peter. I really appreciate you being here. May the Lord bless your book and your life and your future. And and uh, yeah, you. man, I, I'll check in with you for a whitetail excursion there just outside of Bozeman. Hopefully, I would yeah. I could do that sometime in the future. That would be awesome. Yeah, Scott, this has been great. I really appreciate it very much. Hey, most welcome, most welcome. Again, thanks for joining us. I do recommend checking out Peter's book. You'll find the link in the episode's notes. Also recognize that it's possible that this dragged up some difficult memories for you. And I certainly want to see you walking free from this and in all of the life that God has for you. However, I also don't want to presume to insert myself into the place of God. So if you will let me, I'd like to take a moment to pray for each of you. Lord, we know that deception and cults are something that are all around us. Just being focused on the wrong things or focused too intently on things that actually lead us away from you might be the things of you, Lord. Help us. Make us durable. Give us a love for the truth that will protect us from deception and help us also to stay focused on you and getting closer to you, Lord. That's our prayer, and that is what we desire. Amen. Also, if you know someone who needs to hear this, please take a moment to send them 
toleadersmoment.org slash 251 or just forward the link directly from your favorite podcast app. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of the Leaders Moment podcast. We also want to say thanks to Vision Voice, our sponsor, and encourage you to check out their website at visionvoice.us. Also, if you haven't already, please visit leadersmoment.org slash follow to have this podcast and future ones delivered to your favorite podcast app every time we publish. Thanks again.